up. Everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Best Mom Ever, 101 Stories of Gratitude, Love, and Wisdom. Good morning, Amy. Thanks for joining me this morning. I'm so excited about this book. So let's hear from you. Why did you decide to write this book? Thanks for having me on again. And the reason we made this book is we always try to make something special for Mother's Day each year. And uh, this topic, Best Mom Ever, I thought was really important because everybody basically thinks their mom is the best mom they could have. You know, even if Mm -hmm. Even if our Mm -hmm. mothers aren't perfect, they're the perfect moms for us. Mm -hmm. And we thought that this would be a topic that people would really love to write about. And it turned out we were right. We had a very strange experience with this book. We had probably 5,000 stories submitted for it. And it was impossible to narrow them down to only 101 to go in the book. It was an impossible task. And... I struggled so much, and I was, you know, applying the highest standards to the stories, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get down to 101 stories. So we actually made two books, and the next one's going to come out for Mother's Day 2018, because we were just overwhelmed with amazing stories. So um, I couldn't believe it. It doesn't happen very often that we do a call out for submissions, and we get so many fabulous ones that we end up making two books out of one group of submitted stories. That's fantastic. Best Mom Ever is a wonderful read. The book is the perfect gift from the heart to the heart for this upcoming Mother's Day celebration. So congratulations to you all. And I do encourage everyone to get this book because it covers everything. It's not only some wonderful tear-jerking stories in there, but at the same time, there's a lot of wonderful anecdotes about life, living, and relationships with your caregiver, your mom, your grandmothers, and whoever cares that kind of help you to grow up over the years. So congratulations again for that. Well, thanks. And it is true. There's a lot of stories about grandmothers because we know that Mother's Day is a time when people are looking for gifts for their grandmothers also, or mothers-in-law, Um, aunts who are mothers or maybe a mother wants to give a gift to her grown daughter who's now a mother. And so we have stories about every age group of mothers, you know, at each stage of Mm -hmm. mothering, from Mm -hmm. mothers of young children to mothers who are much older and have middle-aged children. We cover the whole gamut. And the interesting thing is no matter how old the mother is who we're talking about, the emotions are really the same. The mother mm-hmm. being a hero to her children, is, she can be a hero to a six-year-old, and she can be a hero to a 60-year-old. <laughs> Compared to other topics Chicken Soup publishes, how popular are books about mothers? This is a really popular topic for us. Um, we have, I guess, maybe half a dozen topics that are our mm-hmm. most popular. Mothers, Christmas, dogs and cats, uh, positive thinking, Miracles and Angels, these are all really, really big topics Mm -hmm. for us. And it's because it's what people care about. And we know so many people who get their Mother's Day gift every year, you know, in the book section Mm -hmm. of the store, and they pick out the newest Chicken Soup for the Soul book 
for their moms, and their moms kind of expect it after a while. They want their next mm-hmm. dose of chicken soup for the soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. What's interesting also, of course, when you talk about mothers, we're talking about all over the world here. And you mentioned just now, again, when it's all said and done, all mothers share the common goals. All they want is their children to do well. From that perspective, it is irrelevant whether you are an American mom or a Malaysian mom, in my case, or whether you live in Africa or in Europe or the Middle East. All moms have the same common goal, that is to love their kids unconditionally and to see them successful. There is definitely a commonality of experience. And one of the things that is very common is mothers wondering, did I make a difference? Was all the hard Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. worth it? And we answer those questions with this book because this book says absolutely. Even when you were dispensing that probably unwanted advice to your kids (laughs) when they were growing up, especially when they were teenagers, it Mm -hmm. actually gets through. And I think it's very encouraging for mothers to read these stories where kids are saying, you know, my mother didn't think I was listening, but actually her lessons really stuck and I live by them Mm -hmm. now. And it took me becoming an adult to realize how much my mother really did influence me. And so this book gives mothers the assurance that all that hard work, all those times they gave advice to their kids, even though their kids were like, Mom, leave me alone. It was all (laughs) worth it. It made a difference. And the mothers really did have an impact. I think it's very clear from reading these stories that all that hard work paid off. It's true. It's in the database. It's in the brain, unfortunately. <laughs> I know Is with my constant? own kids. I mean, mm-hmm. when they were teenagers, I'd just be soldiering on, you know, telling uh-huh. them stuff while they were getting mad at me, like, Mom, leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, just your way isn't the right way. And then later on, I'd hear them repeating back exactly what I had said to them. Mm-hmm. But, of course, mm-hmm. I never said, hey, I told you that. I would just say, oh, <laughs> that's such a good idea. And I think every mom has that experience. That is the greatest validation of what a mom's role is all about because mom goes through the process of being a teacher, a coach, a counselor over the years with their children. And, of course, age comes into play here in terms of when a mom is a teacher, a coach, and a counselor and so forth. And your book covers that very well in terms of having all the different contributors talk about the experiences with their moms at different times in their lives. Oh, yeah, I think it's true. I really love how everybody ends up having the exact same experiences. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. maternal impulse is the same, as you said. In every culture, in in every group, we're actually all the same, and our kids react to us the same way, and then they universally express appreciation later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. Besides mothers, who else can benefit from reading Best Mom Ever? I I think these are just great stories about human relationships Mm -hmm. because, look, we're all the children of a mother. So whether you're a mother or not, you'll appreciate these stories. For example, if you've lost your mother, these stories will make you nod your head in recognition and smile and maybe tear up over the shared experience of other people. So... It's just a really good book about human relationships. And these mm-hmm. stories are, they're so rich. I, I've, been, I've just been blown away by the power of these stories. And as I said, it was really hard to narrow it down to only what ended up being two books worth of stories from the yeah. thousands of submissions that we got. People were just on fire writing these stories this time. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, this book... I know it's very special for you. Can you share with us your personal experience with your mom? Yeah, so I started making this book more than a year ago. And, of course, I thought Best Mom Ever would be a wonderful book that I would give to my own mother, and it would be a real tribute to her, and it was my way of thanking her. And, I, you know, we, we got all the stories together. I went through it, made the chapters, and then... The day that I was going to sit down and do the edits to the stories after I had already selected all of the ones I wanted, that day was December 28th, 
And that day my mother was rushed to the hospital and we just didn't know how sick she was. And I sat by her bed in the hospital for the next six days trying to do my work, which was starting to edit the stories in this book. And I actually edited the first couple of chapters in the book over the next six days, you know, while sitting with her in the hospital. And then, unfortunately, on the sixth day, she died. And it was a total shock to us. And um, it was really, really difficult. So then I had to finish editing the book while also planning her funeral uh, you know, dealing with my shock and grief and working on, you know, helping my father, who is 88 years old and was completely shocked, dazed, confused. It was really, really tough. But the work that I did on the book ended up being even more a tribute to my mother than I had expected it to be. It was really hard working on the stories that were about mothers who had died you know, and reading what other mm-hmm. sons and daughters were writing about their mothers. It was very, very tough, but I think all of the emotions that I was feeling contributed to me doing an even better job than I normally do on editing, mm-hmm. and I think that this book is one of my best pieces of work as a result. Well, it shows in the book. I thought the story collection was fantastic. You have 10 wonderful chapters in there. And it really covers a different perspective because I think these are the things that as children and now we're adults, looking back, there are a lot of things in life that we took for granted. And so reading the book kind of bring back those memories, those snippets of life that you share, those wonderful moments. And the irony of it is that it doesn't have to always be that rah, 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 the wonderful moments because any, I wouldn't say negative moments, but learning experiences are wonderful moments when you look back in hindsight. Um, I think that the book accurately portrays all the ups and downs of motherhood. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there are times when you disagree with your mother or whatever, but I think overall it's a very warm and personal look at what people's mothers have meant to them. And, and and even though everybody has their individual stories and their individual experiences, there is this commonality of experience. Um, there are just certain universal truths about what mothers mm-hmm. do for their kids. And that feeling of support that you get, you know, that your mother is your biggest cheerleader. It's interesting. Right. I didn't know until my mother died that that, feeling of your mother being your biggest cheerleader and always being there to support you, that feeling doesn't go away. It's very interesting. For me, she's been gone now, um, well, almost three months, and I still Mm -hmm. kind of feel that, I still feel like I have her support and her Mm -hmm. approval, and I still feel that buoying me up as I go through my day. Wonderful, wonderful. What are the different challenges a mother faced over the years from a perspective of generations, so to speak? Well, I think in the early years, mothers face just the daily challenges of caring for little kids, you know, and and it's just exhausting Mm -hmm. and you're doing absolutely everything for them. And you are communicating lessons, but basically you're just trying to survive when you have little kids. You're just trying to keep them fed and you're trying to get them clean and trying to get them to have enough sleep. And whatever lessons you dispense along the way are kind of incidental. And then when they get into those teen years, that's when you really feel the pressure to start teaching them and being a a good role model, leading by example and preparing them for the days when they're being when they'll be an adult and then when they're young adults you keep doing that because they still need a lot of guidance i i've noticed that kids up until they turn maybe 30 they're still really looking for a lot of guidance and it's interesting once they're off to college they seem to be to be much more receptive to the guidance than they were when they were teenagers <laughs> right and then you right. get into those years when all of a sudden they're true adults and they start having their own kids and then you're really participating in their lives in a different way and your guidance now 
is as a grandmother, and it just keeps going. And so you're always there to guide them, and it's it's actually really fun as a mother going through all of these different phases. I'm about to an, to uh, enter the grandmother phase in a couple of <laughs> Congratulations. months. Congratulations! Our first yeah, our first grandchild will be born, so I'll be starting that new phase. And everybody tells me that you can't even imagine what it's like until it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Perhaps next year we can talk about your perspective of being a grandmother. That's right. When we talk about our 2018 (laughs) Mother's Day book, I'll definitely have a lot to say about being a grandmother. When you look back from a generation as well, in terms of back when our parents were growing up, they in some ways have less challenges when we are parents. Fast forward a generation. Do you think that the demand, the focus of being a mother is ever more challenging from that perspective? I don't know. I think it's different. Like when my kids Mm -hmm. were growing up, we were just starting to get cell phones and I thought that was fabulous. Like it made Mm -hmm. it so much easier for me to keep in touch with them and know they were okay. And it gave them more independence than they would have had without the advent of cell phones and I didn't, though, I didn't have to deal with social media and all the implications of that while raising children. Right. And now parents are dealing with new issues that I didn't have, like social media and video, you know, access to videos. I mean, we had rules about television. The kids couldn't right. watch television. I mean, they had very limited television allowed during the school week. Now you, I don't even know how parents regulate television because your kid can watch television on his phone and you wouldn't even know it. So there are new challenges now, but also I think that even though technology creates new challenges, it also makes parenting easier in many ways. So I think each generation has different tools that they can use and different problems, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change the overall, which is just raising your kids, keeping them healthy, being a good role model, dispensing those lessons even when they don't want them. All of those things are the same now as they were 2,000 years ago. Pretty interesting because in the end, it's all about wanting the child to do the best they can and to give the child everything you have in terms of knowledge to make sure that they succeed. Yeah, whether they want the knowledge or not. You just give it to them anyway. (laughs) Did you learn something special as a mother and as well as a daughter while putting this book together? I know it's during some trying times, but then introspectively, when you look back, did you see anything special that like it's a wow moment for you? Um, I guess for me, since I was grieving as I put this together, Mm -hmm. it helped me with the grieving and it. I mean, I don't know if it was like putting salt on my wounds or if it was helpful, but it certainly really forced me to confront the fact that my mother was gone when I read all of these stories from people talking about their mothers who were already gone. But I guess it showed me that even when the mothers were gone, their influence was still very, very strong. And it also showed me that when you lose your mother, you know, you'll get through it and then you'll mm-hmm. come to a a place of peace where you are fondly remembering the lessons that you learned and living by them. And then, as I said before, this amazing thing where you still feel the support of your mother and you still feel that, that cheerleader, even though she's not there anymore. I did not know. And what do you think? I mean, do you feel like you still feel your mother's support, even though she's gone every day? It's yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I wouldn't have predicted yeah. that, that 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 continues. So that was a very interesting discovery for me. Yeah. That that you, I think that your mother's support and approval and her cheerleader stuff, it it's like this kind of warm thing that embraces you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it would it would be still there after she was gone. So I think that's a great thing for mothers to know. Yeah, you're right about that because it's one of those things where if you look at life and the things that you're doing, before you know it, these are things that it's a carry-on based on what your mom have taught you about life. And in my situation, Mm -hmm. 
I think it was about a couple of weeks ago, in a conversation, I said, you know, I pray twice a day. And irony of it, my mom prays twice a day. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and so this is sort of a mirror image of what we're, I wouldn't say accustomed to, but it's that comfort that we feel that we've done over the years. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, no matter By the how way, much you resisted when you were young, mm-hmm. you end up doing what your mother wanted you to do, right? Yeah, yeah. And the beauty of it is, of course, I feel the calmness that I needed. And guess what? That's what my mom told me years ago. This is what you need to do to calm yourself down and to get this little introspection on a daily basis. And then you're able to listen better (laughs) and be a better person. So it works from that perspective. That's great. I mean, I I think this book was really interesting for me. Um, mm-hmm. It really put a lot of things in perspective for me. And I think that people who are at any stage of motherhood mm-hmm. will appreciate this book because it really, it, you know what it helps you do? It helps you kind mm-hmm. of situate yourself in the long cycle of life. And no matter where you are, it helps you. Let's say you're the mother of a 15-year-old it will help you kind of position yourself there and think about what is behind you and what will be coming for you. But let's say you're the mother of a 50-year-old, same thing. It's going to kind of give you your sense of where you are now, what's coming for you, see the common experiences other mothers Mm -hmm. had behind you. And so I think it makes us feel part of one big community. I agree. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. And my guest for this morning is Amy Newmar, publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're discussing Chicken Soup's latest release, Best Mom Ever, 101 Stories of Gratitude, Love, and Wisdom. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. What was the most compelling story for you? Well, there's one that I talked about. I was recording podcasts yesterday, the Chicken Soup for mm-hmm. the Soul podcast, and I talked about this story on my podcast and it's a really simple story it's called hero's cape and it's by terry rilea it's uh, story six and it's really cute terry was six years old and she was looking out the window and there was a terrible rainstorm outside you know like the kind of rainstorm Mm -hmm. where it's dark in the middle of the day And she had an imaginary friend. And if you've ever had an imaginary friend or you had a child with an imaginary Mm -hmm. friend, they seem very real to a little kid. So Terry's imaginary friend was named Mary O.K. And she saw her friend, Mary O.K., out there in the rain at the end of their driveway, clinging to their mailbox. And Terry was crying, looking out the window. And her mother came and said, what's wrong? And she said... Mary Okay is stuck out in the rain and she's frightened. And her mother, instead of saying you don't have, you know, that's an imaginary mm-hmm, friend. Her mm-hmm. mother, her mother put um, a bathrobe around her shoulders, like a hero's cape. Ran outside in that horrible rain, went to the mailbox, opened up the bathrobe, and wrapped the imaginary friend inside it. Ran back into the house, you know, looking like she was holding. Mm-hmm. a little kid inside her robe and rescued Terry's imaginary friend. And Terry says she's never forgotten the bravery and, you know, the kindness that her mm-hmm. mother display, displayed to her that day. And I just thought that was adorable. And so much what mother, mothers do, we do these crazy, wacky things <laughs> for our kids. And, I mean, I'm sure Terry's mother never would have expected that Terry now, as an adult, would be thinking so fondly of the day that her mother rescued her imaginary friend from a rainstorm. So true. What's interesting about that story is that if you were to ask Terry's mom, what is the most memorable experience you have with Terry, she would have come up with totally a different story. That is true. That is true. (laughs) That's the interesting part about this book in the sense that it gives the opportunity for the authors to really pick that magical moment that really connects with them in a very special way, spiritually or otherwise. It's just totally unique. 
Chapter one, Mothers to the Rescue. Fantastic chapter. The story that I like in that particular chapter is Unconditional Love by Tina Wagner. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, Tina, I mean, she's written a lot of stories for us, and I had no idea what she had gone through as a child. But uh, Tina had actually had a father who really loved her but couldn't keep her. She was seven years old, and Tina's father had married um, a second wife who didn't want Tina. She resented her, and Tina's mother hadn't participated in raising her. She had been raised by her father, and now her father found that her that his new wife really was an evil stepmother to Tina, mm-hmm. and he had to find Tina a new home. And so he found a new home with a couple who you know didn't have a child, and they took this this little girl who was so sad and had been through so much, and she wasn't exactly nice to her new parents. She gave them a really, really hard time. Um, She didn't really trust women, so she particularly gave her new adoptive mother a hard time because the two women in her life so far had abandoned her, you know, Mm -hmm. her Mm -hmm. birth mother and then her stepmother. So she was bitter. She was confused. She was also in terrible shape physically. She was way underweight. She had rickets from not eating well. She had constant ear infections. She had bronchitis. And her new mom would sit by her bed night after night rubbing, you know, Vicks Vapor Rub on Mm her. Uh, Tina was a bedwetter. She would wet the bed over and over. And several times a night her mother would come in and check on her and change the sheets and always tell her, don't worry, it's not your fault. And Tina says she gave her mother such a hard time. And her mother just persevered was nothing but kind to her. When Tina looks back on it now, she can't believe what she put her mother through. But her mother said, I love you. Other parents have to settle for whatever children are born to them, but I chose you, and I'm going to keep on loving you no matter what. And when Tina finally believed that and felt secure in the relationship, then everything Mm -hmm. turned around And Tina had a really wonderful childhood after that with these wonderful parents who had adopted her. It's a beautiful story. I just had to choose that one. (laughs) Yeah. It reminded me in some ways about my situation. When I first found out that I was adopted, it hit me in a way like, okay, someone don't want me. But then somebody did want you. That's what was really important, right? Your your new mother really wanted you. She chose you. Yeah. And so it kind of hit a home run from that standpoint of view for me. Of course, when I found out about it, I was about, I think, around 15 or 16 years old, but it still kind of hit home from the standpoint of like, you wonder what life would be like kind of thing. So it's just kind of weird. The next story in the same chapter, Mothers to the Rescue, The Wind Beneath My Wings by Julie Honnock. So this is another story from a woman who says she wasn't necessarily all that nice to her mother in her early years. So in Julie's case, she says she really treated her mother with a lot of disdain when she was a teenager. And she remembers going to a Mother's Day brunch with her mom. And it was beautiful. It was this elegant brunch with tablecloths and silver and china and fancy flowers. And everyone was dressed up. And she just thought, why do I have to be here? I don't want to be here. (laughs) And she said some of the other daughters were being really nice to their mothers, and Mm -hmm. she was not. And (laughs) she really just wanted to be off on her own. She wanted to be independent early. And so she went off to college in a different state. And then she went off to a new job, and she got married, and she just didn't really – turned to her mother for support, and she kind of denied her mother the ability to mother her. And then she had her second child, and her second child was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And all of a sudden, she really needed her mother. And her mother had been waiting in the wings all this time for her daughter to invite her back and let her really, really help And so her mother helped her 
so much with this diagnosis of autism. And her mother took her older child out on special dates so that he would continue to have, you know, a normal life, even mm-hmm. though his younger mm-hmm. sibling was taking so much more of his mother's time. And Julie's mother just came in and really helped a lot. And Julie says, that was when I realized it. My mom had always been there for me. And so I thought that was really sweet because it took mm-hmm. a long time. But then she finally realized, and her mother, who had just been waiting patiently for her daughter to see the value and to invite her back to really help her, mm-hmm. it finally happened. That's a beautiful story again. What's interesting is that we go through that rebellious stage in our lives. I remember when my mom takes me out to events, whether it's family and whatnot, she always makes sure that I dress prim and proper. And so, and I hate that. I really, really hate that. <laughs> but what happens is that it sort of stick with you. Then you realize that there's certain proper things that you have to do in life. And over the years, as I got away from home at 18, halfway around the world, then I start to realize like, wow, these are the things that had been taught to me that really make sense. And to be proper and so forth, that really helps me in my journey in life. And I have seen you, and you wear a suit very well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Your mom would be proud. (laughs) (laughs) The next chapter I thought was really cute, Adventures with Mom. And the story that I really like in this particular chapter is A Nice Christian Boy by Amelia Zahn. Yeah, so this chapter is like affectionate stories about, you know, wacky experiences with mom or Mm -hmm. mom doing something a little outrageous or whatever. And in this case, oh, my gosh, this poor girl, Amelia Zom, um, her mom just wanted her to meet somebody. She's like, I want you to meet a nice Christian boy or he doesn't even have to be Christian. I just need you to meet. I need you to meet somebody. You're 30 years old and you don't have anybody. And you know, her mom wanted her to get married and settle down. And so she, her mom switched churches and just kept talking about the minister at her new church mm-hmm. and how much she liked him and how she hoped this minister would stay at this new church. And so she got Amelia to come to this church. And Amelia got this weird feeling from the moment she showed up at the new church. All these elderly ladies were looking at her and whispering to each other. Mm-hmm. And you thought, it's so weird how they're so curious about me. Like, why do they care so much about my mother, you know, who's a new member? Why do they care so much about my mother's daughter, me? And then the minister comes in, and he is really drop-dead gorgeous, so handsome. <laughs> and then... Amelia looks around and all these people are eyeing her and eyeing him. And then she realizes, she says, I sat trapped like a rat, feeling like I had a target painted on my forehead. The whole thing was a setup. Like all the ladies in the congregation (laughs) were in on this, trying to set her up with the minister. And, you know, she turned bright red. Then the minister finally figured it out and he was totally embarrassed And, of course, (laughs) nothing ever happened. She never saw him again. And Mm -hmm. um, he ended up leaving that congregation. And so (laughs) I don't know if he'll find out about this story and be laughing about it, but it was a setup by all the ladies at the church, and it was a complete failure. And I just thought it was very amusing, and that's why I put it in this chapter called Adventures with Mom. It's a wonderful story. The first thing it reminded me when I read the story was the fact that sort of almost a similar situation with my mom. This is because my sister misread my letter to my mom. I was fairly successful at a young age in my early 20s. So I wrote home and I said, well, life is good. I bought a house, a brand new house, got a brand new car. So I guess right now the only thing I need is to have a wife. And that would complete the equation, so to speak, right? Well, guess Mm -hmm. what? For some reason, my sister read it in a different way. And I kind of felt weird in a way. I felt kind of uncomfortable. So I called home just about the time when the letter got home to Malaysia. My sister answered the phone and she was all excited. She said, Johnny, mom is so happy to receive your letter. I said, really? (laughs) And I said, why? 
And she said, well, you want her to find you a wife. I said, well, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hold on a minute. I said, back up the trolley here, you know. <laughs> I'm not said, on my way to the airport. <laughs> right. What happened? And I said, take the letter out again and read it carefully. I said, to complete the picture is obviously the next thing for me to do. And I'm very methodical about things I do in life. It's very strategic kind of thing, step-by-step kind of thing. I said, it would be nice then to have a wife to kind of finish the picture. He said, yeah, you're right. I think that mom doesn't really want to hear that, though. (laughs) And and I believe that she has already found you one. She has a candidate for you. And I said, you're kidding me. It's only two weeks. <laughs> like, how in the world that she could find somebody in two weeks? And she said, you better tell mom about it. And I said, well, you should tell her. And she said, no, you need to tell her. Okay, so I talked to my mom. And I said, mom, I just want to let you know this, this is what the letter meant. She says, okay, no problem. I understand. You're a young man. You can find your own wife and so forth. And so she was okay with it. And then I told her, I said, by the way, Lane told me that you found someone. Who is she? And you know what she told me? She says, uh-uh, you're not going to find out. Either you're all the way in or you're all the way out. She would not let me know so I can make a decision. That's pretty that's, funny. Yeah, that's how she is. It's like, I said, but you can at least tell me. He said, no, 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 no. It's all the way in or it's all the way out. You're on your own now. <laughs> so anyway, chapter three, Wise Words, Last Gift by Penelope Chidler. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, so what I thought was cool about this story by Penelope, is that she came from a very, very large family. There were seven children. Mm-hmm. And you know how you always want, you know, you always wonder, like, who's the favorite? Or, mm-hmm. how, you know, can a mom really love all the children equally? Or can she really know the children equally? And her mom knew that she was dying. And she actually wrote notes to each of the seven children uh, two of whom, unfortunately, had predeceased her, uh, but she still had words to say to them also. And so she wrote these notes, and then they were read at the funeral. And it was interesting. Penelope provided us with the notes to each child, and the mother wrote to each child separately about that child's special characteristics and that child's special place in the family. She had um, she had five sons and two daughters, And even with five sons, each one had a special place in the family. And Mm -hmm. so it was was just really interesting because it was like a reassurance to people from large families that the mother really does value each child separately, individually, and sees them for themselves. It's a beautiful story in the sense that when you have a large family, like you said, does mom really love equally across the board? Or is it like there's one favorite and so forth? And I chose that story simply because that's a common challenge. Even my sister and I, the only two of us, that's a constant battle on who is the favorite one. <laughs> mm-hmm. The next chapter, which is really nice, and this is something that, again, it reminds me about my relationship with my mom. Always There for Me, A Pot of Tea by Margie Williamson. Yeah, this was really nice because I can't even imagine how hard it was for this mother to do what she did. But Margie tells us that she was brand new to high school and, you know, it was exciting, but it was confusing and scary. And she came home from her first day of ninth grade just physically and emotionally exhausted. And her mom took one look at her face and put the water on to boil, and a few minutes later, they sat at the kitchen table with tea and homemade cookies, and her mom gave her her full attention, even though there were plenty of other children. And this was a real treat for Margie, because her mother was usually so busy. She had her mother living with them, plus Margie and her two younger sisters, but they sat there and they talked for an hour, and Margie told her mother everything and was very open with her. And then the next afternoon, she came home from you know her second day of high school, still just wiped out from it. And again, her mother had tea and cookies ready for her. And that went on for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Every day after school, her mother sat with her and they talked. 
and her mother was this incredible support for her. And uh, then finally her mother went and got a job because she needed to earn some extra money to pay for Margie to go to college. But Margie has never forgotten that. And I think once you're a mother, you know what an incredible sacrifice it would be for a mom to make that kind of time commitment every single day to Mm -hmm. her daughter. Her mom must have been giving up something else in order to do that, probably sleep. But it was very much appreciated by her daughter, and it really helped her get through those first couple of years of high school. It's a beautiful story. Things like this happen, and as a child, we don't really appreciate it until we get older and when we look back. And in this particular case, it just reminded me when I read the story about the moments when my mom was there with me, joining me for lunch every day. And she also, instead of tea, she will always make me coffee. We have iced coffee. And then, of course, she got on my case that you shouldn't be drinking this much coffee every day. It's not good for you. And yet every day when I come home, there's a pitcher of iced coffee in our refrigerator waiting for me like Kool-Aid, basically. She took the time to sit with me during lunchtime because my dad was not home yet. And my sister, who is six years older than I am, she's on her own doing things. And I was there being able to sit down and connect with her. And in the later years, when I get home while she's still cooking, so we still have that sort of wonderful conversation in the kitchen while she's cooking and I'm helping her. That's great. That's great. I can see why you really identified with that story. Yeah, yeah. Chapter five is another wonderful, wonderful chapter, The Strength of a Mother, Two in One by Shannon Thompson. Yeah, this chapter has all these mothers who had to do really hard things and their kids are writing about how much they appreciate their strength. And what I thought was interesting about Shannon Thompson's story is that unlike most cases where it takes becoming an adult to really appreciate what your mother did for you, Shannon is only 11 years old. And we included her story because we were so impressed. Mm -hmm. But Shannon, Shannon comes from a very tough background. Her father died of a drug overdose when she was three, and her mother has been raising her alone. After her father died, her mother lost her job, so she went to grad school uh, to try to get more skills. She was unemployed. She was trying to pay her tuition. She was taking care of her young daughter, who was getting over the loss of her father. And Shannon said, then... A couple of years ago, after six years of grad school, her mother earned her master's degree in psychology. So now she's working in a really altruistic position. She's working at a summer camp for children who have selective mutism. I guess this is children who have some kind of emotional problem that occurs and they become mute. And and she still makes time for Shannon. And Shannon says her mom is her mom, her dad, her supporter, and her best friend, all in one. And I thought this was a great example of a really strong mother and of a kid who even at a young age appreciates what her mother is doing for her. I love the story. In today's situation, when you have a lot of single moms out there, sometimes people don't realize the challenges that a single mother goes through in being not only the mother as well as the father for the family. There are a lot of stories about mothers who I would really call superheroes in this book Mm -hmm. because of the challenges they overcome to still be great mothers to their children. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're discussing Chicken Soup's latest release, Best Mom Ever, 101 Stories of Gratitude, Love, and Wisdom. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. One story in Chapter 6 that caught my eye, A Grandmother's Love, A Hidden Hero by Elisa Bonet. That's a beautiful yeah, story. Yes, so we, we know that grandmothers uh, will be reading this book, and we wanted to pay a lot of attention to grandmothers. And I just read an article the other day. I think I read this article mm-hmm. yesterday, and it had an astounding statistic. It was something like 30% of all women over 30 are grandmothers, something like that. It was it was really a big statistic of the number of women who are grandmothers. And I think that one of the things that kids look for from their grandmother is that unconditional love. And here's one of the hardest things that a kid has to do is come out as gay. 
And so this girl, Elisa, talked about the fact that she was really frightened to tell her grandmother that she was gay. But she went and she talked to her grandmother, and her grandmother said, oh, I had a feeling, because she had introduced her grandmother to a woman or a girl who she was close to, and her grandmother had sensed something between them. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, was crying and telling her grandmother, you know, I'm, I, I didn't mean to be gay, but I am gay, and I like girls, not boys. And her grandmother said, don't cry. I know you didn't choose this. It's just how you are. And once she got her grandmother to accept it, her grandmother paved the way for the rest of the family to accept it. And so that was really, really important. She says the rest of the family followed suit. If grandma was okay with it, so were they. And so that was really important to her, that her grandmother accepted her without question and without judgment. It's a wonderful story about love. No question about that. Chapter 7, my role model, commencement. And I thought this is a great, great, great story by I can't pronounce the first name, but I'll pronounce the last name, Mr. Das. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think it's something like Chris Widget Das. Yes. Um, it's yes. an Indian name. And so he and his mom uh, graduated from grad school with education degrees on the same day from the same school. And so they were standing there together for graduation. And, you know, the 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 son was you know in his 20s like the normal age to graduate from grad school and his mom who was an immigrant from india was you know middle-aged and he was watching how his mom was interacting with the other students and seeing how popular she was with the other students and then he was thinking about everything that she had overcome i mean she had moved from india to start over in a foreign land She had devoted herself to supporting her husband, taking care of her children, making sure they got a good college education. All the time she was holding down a full-time job and hoping to finish the education that she had had to stop years ago when she became a mother and an immigrant. And so the son was just reflecting on the work that his mother had to do and how proud he was that she could graduate with her master's degree with him the same day. It's a very powerful story. It's just simply powerful. Chapter 8 is very tender. By heart, not by blood. Divine Timing by Alicia Dawn. Yeah, so this is all about um, the maternal relationship that exists even when people are not related. So it could be stepmothers. It can be um, through adoption, whatever the relationships are, and this was a really interesting story. Alicia tells us that um, her mother was left at a doctor's office as an infant and then was adopted by one of the patients who walked in, saw this baby, and wanted her. And in fact, her mother walked in and saw the birth mother walking out. And um, this baby was just left at the doctor's office because I guess this was before you could, know, you could leave them at a fire station or wherever the approved mm-hmm. places are now to, to drop off a child for adoption. Right. And so um, her mother, yeah, her mother was adopted by her grandmother who just saw her in the doctor's office. And the child had a lot of problems initially, um, her mother had a lot of health problems because she hadn't been cared for well. And so she just talks about how amazing it was that her grandmother adopted her mother at the doctor's office and th- that this was how it was done way back when, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, and the the birth mother didn't want to give up her child. They found out this story decades later that the birth mother very painfully gave up the child at the doctor's office because the birth mother's husband didn't like the fact that the child was sickly and was crying all the time and was threatening to Mm -hmm. hurt the child. So Mm -hmm. this poor birth mother made the sacrifice 
to get her daughter to safety, and that daughter ended up being Alicia's mother. It's a story that I don't know where to begin because there's so much love involved in that. And when you look at it until you kind of get to the nitty gritty details of it, it's like the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, wow, gee, I'm abandoned. But that's not necessarily the truth because it is the ability of, I guess, taking care of the child. When I read that story, it reminded me a lot about in my situation because I was the number 10 child in the family that gave me a way to be adopted. I had two older sisters that were also given away. And according to my mom, my adopted mom, that is, the ones that were given away have ended up being very successful. I have a sister who lives in Australia who is doing very well and one in England that's doing very well because I'm the youngest in the family. Unfortunately, I'm not in touch with any of these women, but it was quite interesting what the way my mom told me. You have to look at it from a perspective of there's a reason why certain things happen in life, and that's how you have to take a look at it. And in hindsight, that's the best thing that ever happened to me from an adoption perspective. Yeah, I think most adopted children feel that way. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. Chapter 9 is very interesting as well, Maternal Miracles. No question asked, and this is by a gentleman by the name of Tom Schwartz. So this is one of my favorite stories also, and I did a podcast about this one. So Tom Schwartz's mother has the most amazing intuition. So he tells us three stories that illustrate that in in this one piece in our book. So (laughs) in the first story, they were camping in Pennsylvania. And his mom didn't really like camping, but she went along because her husband wanted them to go. And it rained the whole day, the whole first day of their camping trip. But luckily, they had rented one of those raised wooden platforms, and you erected your tent on top of a platform. And so Mm -hmm. they made the best of it, and they spent the night in their tent on top of this platform, raised, you know, three feet above the muddy ground. And then the next morning... Before dawn, Tom's mother woke up her, his father and said, we have to leave now. We have to leave right now. And Tom's father said, but like the kids are still asleep. It's not even daylight yet. We haven't had breakfast. And she said, nope, we're leaving right now. Get the kids ready. We're packing everything in the car. We're getting out of here. And so they, they got up. They quickly packed everything in the car The last thing they put in the car was that big, heavy tent, which was pretty waterlogged, but they took it down, folded it up, dumped it in the back of the car with a huge crash, and then they realized that the crashing noise that they had heard was not the tent being dropped in the back of the car. It was the tree, the huge tree that had just fallen across the tent platform that they had just vacated, crushing the platform. And if they had still been in the tent as they were supposed to be, the tree would have fallen on them. So that was the first story that Tom told. And then the next story was that a few years later, he was very, very ill, and his mom carried him into the doctor's office, and the doctor said, oh, it's just a summer virus. But that didn't satisfy Tom's mom And she took him to a medical laboratory. Now, she didn't have a prescription or a doctor's order, but she forced the medical laboratory to take her son's blood and analyze it. I don't know how she pulled that off because, you know, that's impossible without a prescription. Mm -hmm. And the technician came back after analyzing the blood and said, take your son to an emergency room immediately. And it turned out, you know, there was, I guess, poison showing in his blood Mm -hmm. because his appendix had burst. And so that saved his life. And then the final story that Tom told was that Tom became a registered nurse. And years later, he was working in the same emergency room where he had been taken for his appendectomy. And he was working with a new doctor, a resident, and a a heart attack victim was brought in. And they were trying to do the thing with the paddles. And you know how you watch TV and Mm -hmm. they yell, like, clear, and everybody moves (laughs) away? Well, this resident was trying to do it, and she did it wrong. And so Tom said, look, I'm going to do it. Let me do it. I know what to do. We have to save this patient. And so he did the thing with the paddles, and he yelled clear. But this resident who really wanted to see how to do it right crowded him, 
and pushed him by accident against the metal railing of the bed, mm. and the paddle touched the metal, and Tom was electrocuted. His heart stopped. And so then the emergency room crew had to focus on restoring him. Meanwhile, the patient died. Mm-hmm. Tom was brought back to life after his heart was stopped from being electrocuted. And at that same moment, a thousand miles away, Tom's mother turned to his father and said, there's something wrong with Tommy. Call the emergency room. Something has happened. And she somehow knew. So that was Tom's story about his mother's amazing intuition. It's a beautiful story. I used to tell people, I'm not going to tell my mom all the things that bad things because she's halfway around the world. And another mom of mine, uh, another mom said that, believe it or not, she'll know. <laughs> she just know. You can't hide those kind of things. And uh, so that's, this story is just fascinating. It's just a wonderful, wonderful story. And the final chapter, A Mother's Legacy, Shelter in the Storm. I thought this is a beautiful story. Yeah, this is one of my absolute favorite stories in the book also, and I actually talked about this on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast as well. So Trudy Nash was, um, it was three days after her mother's funeral. Trudy had just been over at her mother's house taking things out. Her car was absolutely packed with the funeral flowers and some other things she had taken from her mother's house. And it was raining, and she saw this family out in the rain, being pelted by the rain. It was a mother and a father and two little kids. And she realized there was no room. She couldn't get them into her car because it was packed. But then she saw that she had a leopard print umbrella from her mother, and it was sitting right next to her. So she put her window down and called out to the little family and handed the umbrella out to the little family. And the mother quickly put up the umbrella and sheltered her two children under the umbrella. And then Trudy said, you know, that was just so appropriate. And it made me think about the fact that a mother is like shelter in a storm. Mm -hmm. And I thought the umbrella was so symbolic of the fact that that's what our mothers really are. They are our shelters in a storm throughout our lives. So true. I couldn't agree with you more. Amy, since this show is about family and about living life, the recipe for living that I'd like you to share this morning is, do you have any specific advice for new mothers? You know, I, yeah, I think that mothers should, from the very beginning, it's really important to know that your kids are going to appreciate you. And so I made a list of five things that kids appreciate about their mothers when I was creating this book. So one is that kids really do know that mom is always ready to come to the rescue. And another thing that kids really do know is that mom always knows just the right words to gently advise you when you need it. And then I think another thing is that mom really is one of a kid's most important role models. That's something that mothers should remember, that you know they're going to watch you. So even when you think they're not watching. Like if you're smoking a cigarette, well, they're going to see that and you're all of a sudden modeling smoking cigarettes. So don't do that. And then I think another thing that kids really do come to appreciate about their mothers is that moms really do have this uncanny ability to know absolutely everything. And we do get that reputation with our kids. And then finally, and because especially for mothers going through the teenage years, mom's lessons really are appreciated, even if it takes kids a while to admit it. So just hang in there, moms. Dispense the unwanted advice because the kids are actually listening, and they really will take that advice in and live their lives by it, even if they, even if the, even if they act like they're resisting it. <laughs> That's so true. So true. Amy, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners. Please join me in two weeks on Tuesday morning, April 11. My guest will be Renee Marlin Masters. She is the author of the critically acclaimed book. You are smarter than you think. Renee and I will be discussing her latest book, the friendship pod affair. The book is about friendship and the power of forgiveness. 
For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know, the know. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates because knowledge is power. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.